Now, let's just, um, once again, put our hands together and just introduce Stu Allen this morning, who's going to be bringing a word. Bless you, Stu. Stu Bright tried bringing this word a number of weeks ago, and then God did other things, but he always gives opportunity to something that needs to be told. So, Stu, over to you, my friend. Glory, 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 glory to God. He's great. That's nice to see a nice row of happy faces down here. Let's pray. God is good. Heavenly Father, we, we love you and we thank you that you love us more than we love you. Father, we thank you that you're about your purposes in the earth. We thank you that you're moving, you're stirring. And Father, our heart's desire is for heaven's will to break in and break out, Lord God, into this realm and dimension in ever-increasing measures. And so, Lord God, this morning we bring our hearts before you, we bring our beings, we bring our lives to you and say, Father, have your way. Speak, Holy Spirit. Sow seed into our hearts that you can water and move us and stir us and let faith arise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, yes, it's been a few weeks coming, even a few months, what's been on my heart. Um, if you remember last year, November time, I shared a word, prepare the way. Um, hands up if you remember. Okay, I won't test you on the memory verse. Um, this really is moving us on from there. And I felt really strongly that this year, 2012, was a key year. Does it say up there? Can you read that? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on this year. There are signs God is moving. God is active. And there's a turning point in our nation. And I want us to see it. I want us to, even if you can't see it, accept it by faith. Because God said, do not despise the day of small things, the day of small beginnings. Various things, really. Um, signs here. We have the Olympic Games here, which is quite a, a major uh, event. Um, the Diamond Jubilee of the Queen. 60 years, significant time period. And fire, the symbol of the fire of the Olympic flame going round the nation. And there's been this prayer initiative following the flame all round. It's a significant year. God is saying, the fire of my Holy Spirit. And then we had the coordinates. That's where the gap is. I couldn't get it on for some reason. I typed it in, but I couldn't get those coordinates. That God gave that lady the dream about coordinates. And she lives in South Africa and didn't know what this was, but found the coordinates, settled on leads. And God was saying, revival. God is speaking. God is moving. And he wants his church to say, whoa, I'm coming alive. So it's a year of significance. If I have the next, next slide, please. But what does it mean? What does it require of me? Um, Lord, I want to understand. How can we as your people cooperate? How can we bring in? How can we prepare the way? How can we see change? <clears throat> if this is the year, how do I prepare? How am I going to make ready? And that was what was on my heart strongly after my last preach. And I was just thinking, God, I really need to know. I want to know, how, how do we bring this in? If you're saying something, God, we want to get ready. And in the natural, um, when somebody's pregnant, you know to get ready. You've got to get the room ready. You've got to buy the clothes in. You've got to get all sorts of things. And for first-time parents, it's like they don't quite realize 
Everything's going along swimmingly, and then, bang, everything changes. Everything just goes completely bananas, doesn't it? It's totally different. But you've got to get ready, haven't you? You've got to be ready for it. And I just started to think about, Lord, what are you saying? Um, And I was taken to a verse in Habakkuk, if you want to look at the next verse. It's very familiar, you'll have heard of it. Habakkuk 2, verse 1, is one of the little ones near the beginning of the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament, but at the back. And Habakkuk was concerned with his time. And he decided, I'm going to seek God, I want to know what's going on. And he said, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I'll answer when I'm corrected. And that was what was on my heart. I feel, God, I need to stand. I need to set myself. Lord, what are you saying? And then the very verse itself began to speak to me. God began to say, look at the verse. Start to see what is in this verse. Because it contains keys. So I want us to look at some of the key words here because it's going to instruct us. And what I'm bringing, instruct us, what I'm bringing today is teaching okay it's revelation understanding that if we will apply it we will see us move into higher realms we will move further so god is seeking to help us cooperate and i'm so blessed this morning that there was that an element of that coming through um and we'll see as we go on so let's have a quick um hebrew lesson uh next slide you can't see that very well but i'll just read out Okay, the first word, I will stand, that's ormad. To stand, to dwell, be employed, endure, present oneself, serve, be it a stay or a tarry. That is to wait expectantly. It's not a passive hanging around, okay? And the word to watch, I will stand my watch. Now that also means to keep charge. And it denotes a sense of responsibility. The word itself is mishmereth. And one day I'd like to meet a Hebrew scholar who will probably correct me on all my pronunciations. It's an observance. It's a sentry or a post. And it's from a word meaning a guard. And it carries that sense of being alert and on active service. So here's Habakkuk taking his place. There's an alertness. I'm taking my watch. Okay, next slide please. Goes on. I will set myself on the rampart. That's Yotzarb. Okay, now this is where I started to get excited. Now, just explain what this word means. It means to place as if to stay, to station something, to offer, to continue, to present self, to stand. Oh, and we're back where we began, to stand. But it's a different Hebrew word from the first word for stand. Are you catching this sense of anticipation about this waiting place, this sense of I'm appointing myself in this place to see something and to help us a bit further the first mention of this word is in exodus 2 chapter 4 anybody know what happens in exodus 2 very good it is moses in the basket okay and it's where he's placed in the basket and put amongst the reeds in order to protect him from pharaoh's edict that all male hebrew babies at that time had to be killed And the verse itself says, and his sister, which is Miriam, stood afar off to know what would be done. 
Now, it's that word stood. Now, remember, I always say the law of first mention is key. Whenever you see a word cropping up for the first time, it sets the flavor of interpreting that word through the whole of Scripture. Hmm, interesting. Now, I want you to just switch on your imaginations. Okay, I want you to go to the banks of the Nile. Imagine, here's Miriam. They've put the basket in the reeds. What should we do? He's three months old. What should we do? How will he survive? She took up her watch. She's looking. It wasn't a casual, oh, I wonder what will happen to my little baby brother. I guess I'll just hang around a bit and actually I'm really pushed for time. I promised my mate I'd go round to theirs and uh, then we'd go down to town and then we'll get a few games on the Xbox. And Not quite. No, she's on absolute tenterhooks. This is her little baby brother. Vulnerable and needy, not yet weaned. She saw how her mother wept daily over his destiny. She didn't know what was going to happen, but she knew it was a special baby. And Miriam picks up the angst of the mother. And this sense of destiny versus what could happen. Every time they heard the noise of the soldiers, they flinched with anxiety, fear. Miriam picked it up. You've got the joys of new birth, but then the angst of what's going to happen. And she stood on the banks of the Nile. We imagine she's probably hiding just a little bit away. This was standing. And this is the standing that God wants us to do when we come into his presence. It's not just a casual, oh, hi, Lord. Blessed today. Amen. I'm off. He's calling his church to come. It says that we're to love the Lord our God with all our soul, with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And there are times when we need to come with all our faculties and say, God, I devote now my thinking life. I bring to you now, Lord, and I just take that capital. I say, no, that's not what I'm here for. No, I'm not worried about that. That is not the issue. God, I want Jesus. I want you. This is what he's saying to us. So I'm sure we can begin to imagine that attitude with which she stood waiting and watching. Okay, now, let's go on to the next slide. I want us to look at the word rampart. I will take my stand and set myself on the rampart. Now, what's he saying? What's this about? What is the rampart? This is where Habakkuk says he's going to stand. And it's the word matzor. It's described as something hemming in a mound, a siege, besieged, a bulwark, defense, stronghold or tower. Now, what's it getting at? Now, I believe it's our secret place before the Lord. Doesn't it say the name of the Lord is a strong tower, is a rampart? The name of the Lord. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Remember the song? Yeah. Yeah. This is the place where we feel totally safe and secure. It's a place where we're surrounded by protection. It's the place we can totally let down our guard and come humbly, vulnerably, and without pretense before the Lord. No facade to hide behind. We come, just us and him, to enter intimate fellowship with the Father. And this is where he will speak. This is the place the Habakkuk knew and understood that he had to come to. And then God would speak. 
There's nothing else to get in the way or clutter. This is our strong tower when we meet with Father. And this is the place where we see. Remember what Habakkuk said, and I will see what the Lord will speak. Seems a contradiction, doesn't it? And that word see is raha. And it means this. It means to advise oneself, to behold, to consider, to discern, to have experience, to gaze, take heed, to mark, perceive, stare, think, view. And it also means visions. Now, I want you to keep with me, okay? This place is where true communion happens. This is the Father heart for his people. That he knows us and we know him. Doesn't, didn't Jesus say, this is eternal life. That they may know him. That they may know you. And knowing in a real sense, a real way. Okay, let's look at the next verse. If this isn't enough to draw us to seeking his face, I want us to go to another place where we find the first mention of the word to stand. Okay. If you want your Bibles, we're going to read from Genesis 18. And it's probably one of my most favorite passages in the word. It just stirs me. There's so much in Genesis which is so... gives such um, access for the imagination to just... I just love it. Just, it's wonderful. Okay, so if I can turn to Genesis 18, we'll be all right. So I haven't looked at the time, but I think we're doing fine. And as I'm speaking, open your hearts to the Holy Spirit. Let him be blowing on you, breathing on you. This is the only thing that makes us different from the world. This is our heritage the life of Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is the only thing that makes us different. And as we come into intimate fellowship, we are ignited in Christ. We, are, we live, we truly live, don't we? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to read verse 18, 1 to 8. And it starts by saying, Then the Lord appeared. Press the pause button. We need to backtrack. Oh, what happened? I'm just going to jump into the previous two verses. That very same day, Abraham was circumcised with his son Ishmael and all the men of his house. Born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. The reason I wanted to backtrack was it says covenant. Covenant. It's the only reason we're here today. God's covenant with us. This is a whole year's teaching in itself. But covenant, God wrought on our behalf. And where we couldn't fulfill covenant, God said, I'll do your part. It cannot be broken. It's a done deal. It's sealed. And we stand now on that covenant. And this is a symbol here of the ultimate covenant. And what does it say? Verse 1. Then the Lord appeared. Wow! You catch the revelation of covenant. Jesus will become more real to you in your life. You will know fellowship with him in a greater intimacy. When you realize the foundation on which we stand is immovable, unshakable. He hears us when we call. 
So I'll carry on reading. It's just so, it's, ooh, it's so rich, it's so full. Then the Lord appeared to him, this is Abraham, by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. Use your imagination. I think it's beautiful. Abraham is sitting there, maybe he's just zizzing, halfway between sleep and wake. The warmth of the day, he's resting. And there he sees three visitors. I would love to have been there to see it. What must it have been like? How did they look? He knew they were somebody special. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, don't pass on by your servant. Please, let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I'll bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by in as much as you've come to your servant. And they said, do as you've said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make three measures of fine, fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Do you know, that took about 30 seconds to read or whatever. But it must have been 30, 40, 50 minutes, an hour and a half, two hours, who knows. This process, and here they are, these awesome figures are there, waiting. Waiting. Just stood. You can just imagine the serenity, the glory around them. And while they ate, Abraham stood. There's the word. That's what it is to stand. He stood there. He took, he took up his post. He knew he was in the presence of the heavenlies. He knew these people had come from another realm. And he stood. He knew this is a moment. He didn't just stand idly by. He stood in active expectation, watching their every move. He knew these were extraordinary visitors. Oh, that we would have the same regard for the presence of the Lord during our times of worship. Not to say we don't, but there's a journey. And the presence of the Lord comes. And Abraham jumped up and said, oh, oh, let me do this, let me do this. And I said, have your way, do so. They're on another agenda and they're waiting. They've got business to do. But they're allowing Moses, uh, Moses Abraham, to minister. Do you know there's a phrase that I heard a little while ago and I thought I'm going to write that down because that's going to be one of my... One of my phrases. It says, praise until the worship comes. Worship till the glory comes and stay under the glory. Something was happening amongst us today. I'm sure we all felt and sensed. 
And I've noticed week by week we're, we're coming into more tangible senses of the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to understand how do we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in our midst. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for the supernatural of God. I don't want to live a so-so life. I want to live in a realm that I was called to, that we were called to. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are born from above. Our identity is not in this world. We are born from heaven. And we want heaven on earth. It's a journey that I've been seeing in the last couple of years. I used to think that the earth's going to get burnt up and it's going to evaporate and disappear. But actually, that is not what scripture says. If you look in the Greek, it doesn't say that. It says unrighteousness will be burnt up. The earth will remain. And God's intent is that he wants to invade earth with heaven. That everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ will bow the knee. And we are those who will bring in his government and his order and his rule and bring release. Set the captives free. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Let blind eyes be opened. Deaf ears to hear. And we're on this journey. And there's a a battle going on that the enemy does not want the body of Christ to catch this. We can catch it individually and that's great. But corporately, we're unstoppable. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell, they will not prevail. Invested in each one of us is the Prince of Glory. When you call, God hears because he hears his son. And as we capture heaven and speak back to heaven, Things change. Which one? What I've just said. All right, I said praise until the worship comes. We're called to give a sacrifice of praise, aren't we? Worship is much more the deep well within that comes out in adoration. Worship until the glory comes and stay under the glory. We need to learn. God wants to school us. And I want you to notice something in particular that Abraham did when he saw the visitors, when he acknowledged, when he saw the presence come. He ran to greet them and he beseeched them, if that's the right expression. Now, we don't have to entreat God and plead with him. We merely need to acknowledge his presence in reverence to say, Jesus, you're here. I'm standing to attention. What do you want to say, Lord? All eyes are on you, Jesus. And Abraham persuaded them to remain a while. They were desperate to stay there, actually. But we, when we feel the presence of God, oh God, God, stay here, stay here, stay here. He says, I'll stay as long as you've got. We're the ones that dash off. But his presence is, you know, God often says to me, take your watch off. Just take your watch off. Just as an aside, he's actually been saying the opposite very recently. Time. The time is coming. Time is ticking. Things are speeding up. Okay? 
I know it's a bit of an aside, but it ties in here. We're in hours of urgency that the church rises to our calling. It is only through the church that the purposes of God will be manifest and fulfilled. And so we need to have ears to hear and we need to embrace, we need to put on our garment. So, Abraham persuades them to remain as he ministered to them. Okay, now these are the principles I want us to grasp. What did Abraham bring the visitors? Here's a question I'm asking you now. What did he bring to the visitors? Just shout out. Bread, butter, meat, milk. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So he brought some of the very basic commodities that they ate of, of society at that time. Um, now, this is the first time these are mentioned in Scripture. And do you know what they mean? Bread, milk, meat, butter. Hey. But, stay with me, if we look at the next verse, um, butter is curdled milk or cheese. And milk comes from a word meaning to be fat, the richest or choice part. God wants us to bring our best to him. And milk being turned into butter is churned. It takes time to develop. Now, the other place these words crop up is in the New Testament. You might have thought of the verses already. But Hebrews 5, 12 to 14, I just want to, it's, it's pointing out something. It, it, it's saying something else in the scripture, but I want us to just make a point so that we understand what is God speaking to us. So chapter 5 of Hebrews, verses 12 to 14, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food, or meat is another translation. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food or meat belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The point I'm making is that the words milk and meat are used here to talk about scripture and revelation. Okay, and what we're looking at is t going New Testament backwards into Old Testament to interpret the Old. God is saying he wants revelation ministering to him. He wants inspired scripture declared. He wants prophetic word released. This is the ministering to God. Okay, that is what he's looking for. He wants to have that, that butter that thing that you've you read in scripture. And do you know what it says? It says he brought in milk as well as meat. He's not discounting milk and saying, oh, well, that's just for babies. No, both are important. So nobody's excluded. If you're young in the Lord or old in the Lord, we can all bring a contribution. But, it, you know, you feel, oh, I feel like God's saying something. I'm not sure what it is, but it's, oh, it's brewing on the inside of me. And it might be weeks or months before it kind of solidifies into something. You think, yeah, I've got it. And it might have just been for you. But it might also have been for the congregation as well. And this is the key thing whereby we're built up. When I come on a Sunday, I just don't want earthly realm merely. I don't want to just go through the motions. 
It's pointless. What a waste of time. I've got plenty of other things I could do. I want to bring in the powers of the age to come. I want to see broken bodies made whole. I want to hear testimony. It was wonderful to hear Monica share about um, that lady who's, who's taken all those steps and we've seen Jesus come into her life. It's wonderful. It's what I want to hear. You know, I want to be propelled out Monday and the rest of the week with fresh anointing and fresh oil. You know, people used to say years back, oh, you're getting dependent on meetings. I said, absolutely. That's where God's doing something. You know, it's where we come together. That's where the represented Christ is seen. And there's been an unhelpful, what we call deconstruction going on, where churches have stopped meeting together, which I can understand where they were seeking to get rid of tradition and form, but throwing the baby out with the bathwater isn't a good idea. We need to preserve and build up the gathering of the saints. Because this is body. I mean, what would you feel like? If you have your head, here's me, and I'm looking for my body. Well, there's a bit over there and a bit over there, and there's a bit in that corner. And I want my body together. I want my body to be seen for what it is. And therein the glory will shine. We'll see the glory. There will be just amazing times. So... Ah, pick up where I was. So God wants us to come before him to minister his inspired work back to him. As we wait on him, we praise. You know, the principle, you, sometimes it, you can say, I'm going to spend time with God. Right, okay, and I'll sit there. Sometimes we have to stir ourselves up. This is where praise comes in. You know, you go out in the world and stuff gets stuck on you. You know, and you shake it off. Don't like it. Come on, I'm going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Yeah, 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 hallelujah. Jump up and down. Shake off some stuff. We come. There is power as you begin to praise God. And I I remember learning this as a youngster. Youngster, about 16. um, Part of a home group in an Anglican church in a village of about 200 which was very unusual at that time. I thank God something was happening. Story in itself. I won't go there. But we were encouraged. We were doing a Bible study and we were encouraged week by week to do different tasks. So we were told to get aside and to spend five minutes praising and thanking God only. That was it. Just praise him. Just say, Lord, I just praise you for, praise you for the trees. Praise you for the... The wind blowing through the leaves is beautiful. Praise you for those fluffy clouds, Lord. Praise you for the fact I've got clothes. Praise you, Father. And it was a discipline, but it was only five minutes. And I tell you, I felt different. I thought, wow, something's changed. And there is an enormous discipline to come before God without asking. And it's, and it's language. You need to learn your language. You'll find yourself asking for things and you don't realize. But I challenge you to discipline yourself not to do it. We come to elevate the king. The reason is because as we elevate him, the stuff for which we want to ask, etc., etc., falls into the pale distance of his glory. As we magnify him, he becomes bigger and bigger. Well, he doesn't, does he? Because he's big enough already. He's, he fills everything in every way. But in our mind's eye, he gets bigger. And we begin to see 
Lord, why was I worried? Lord, this is just... Let's keep going back into this passage. So Abraham has ministered, verse 8. Verse 9. Then the visitors say to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? Oh, what's this? I wasn't talking to you about Sarah. No, 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 but they were. Where's Sarah? And what does it say? What does it say? And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Whoa. Whoa. Abraham's learned something. He could have thought... It's the visitors. It's the visitors. Right, right. Okay, right. Now, I wasn't particular. What I'm going to ask, I'm going to say, right. You know, it's 13 years and we haven't had a child. And, you know, we've tried and I messed up with Hagar and, and everything else. And I'm really sorry. And, you know, when he said, I have a son, I have inheritance. There's nobody. And it's going to be my cousin in such a family. And, and, and God and this and that. And he said, we really need a child, Lord. What do you say? He doesn't. He's learnt worship. I release to you, Lord. It's all in your hands. And what does God say? Abraham, where's Sarah? Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, but she's in the tent. She's going to have a child. Amazing. But he wasn't asking for it, was he? He'd gone through all that desperate striving for years and then just gave up, didn't he? Well, he didn't give up because it says in Romans, without wavering through unbelief, he believed in the one who had the power to do what he had promised. And he'd settled the issue. It, it was done. It was a done deal. And so what we see in this passage is, out of the ministering to God, God spoke. Okay? Abraham was in the place of surrender and just offering up to God. But then more than that, it's and some. They then start to share about the purposes of God in the earth. Sodom and Gomorrah are going to be destroyed. And he's thinking, whoa, 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 this is blowing my mind. You know, when God starts speaking big things, it can go, whoa, what do we do with this? God, I don't know what to do. Help. And he's speaking about international events, things which have yet to come. He's sharing it. What happens? Who knows the story? We don't need to read down, but if you don't know, shout out what happens next. Yeah. Abraham begins to intercede. So God unburdens his heart and says, there is judgment coming. There is a destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is where Abraham's uh, nephew, Lot, lived with his family. And Abraham's thinking, whoa, God, are you really going to do this? Uh, I just plead with you that if there are 50 righteous, that you wouldn't do it. So if there are 50 righteous, then I won't destroy it. Um, um, I don't think there's that many there, actually, he's thinking. Uh, well, Lord, permit me to speak again, but uh, perhaps if there are 45, perhaps um, you wouldn't destroy No, if there's 45, I won't either, Abraham. I don't think there's 45 when I come to think about it. Either. Um, if there's five less than 45, Lord, and so he goes down and down and down, and he says, even if there are five, I won't destroy it. 
But there weren't five, as it happens. But you just wonder what the outcome would have been if he'd said, look, my nephew, his wife and daughters are there. Please don't destroy it. I would love to have known what the outcome would have been. But what I'm saying is, in the presence, God begins to speak. Speaking about the longings of our heart's desires. He knows where we're hurting. And more than that, he starts to speak and say, look up. This is how I am working in the earth. Now work with me. Stand in the gap. I haven't really got much more to share, really. But I want to impart this as revelation understanding so that when we come together, we're prepared of heart. And that we understand there is a bit of getting rid of the rubble as we come into his presence. And we know his presence is with us all the time from the word go. You know, but it's us that needs to tune in. But as we elevate the king, as a principle in our lives, we will see change. We'll be released. Mm. Jinan's just going to share something. When I was a very new Christian and I was asking somebody about prayer, they said that if I used the word acts, as in the Acts of the Apostle, A-C-T-S, that that would help me to have a right attitude in, in prayer. And that was to use it as a mnemonic for the words adoration, confession, thanksgiving, Supplication. Uh, supplication is a posh word for your shopping list, really. It's, um, that's something else you say, shopping list. At the end. And I, uh, I found that so helpful, and I still revert to it at, at times when I think about it, that if I'd spent time adoring and praising God, and if I'd dealt with anything that was in the way of my doing that in confession, and if I'd then spent time in gratitude... And thanksgiving, then by the time I got around to my shopping list, <laughs> my supplication or praying for others or whatever, somehow that list or those things that I'd thought were important at the beginning of the prayer time had shifted into the things which God wanted me to pray. Because sometimes our shopping list, if you like, the things that are there right at the front of our mind when we first come to pray actually in the light of the adoration and the thanksgiving become more in line with what he would have us pray than what we think are the priorities. And I just know that that's a process that I found really, really helpful. So I just thought I would share it. And if someone else needs it and can use it sometime, glory to God. Amen. Thank yeah, you. I, I, I want to encourage us to, um, even when you're meeting with friends, it only takes two or three. You know, my times of fellowship with Jesus are often when I'm praying with one or two others. And down through many years, I just want to give honor to Robin and Geraldine. I used to pray with them. At a point, it was three times a week. We just knew God was doing something. I tell you, the days when we didn't meet were different. We would just encounter Jesus. 
we just pray and it was a struggle, it was hard because I had to get up early they had to drive across town because I had to be up and out for work and going off the other direction but you just come and it was worship Jesus just say thank you Jesus and sometimes it might have been between the yawns and the oh I'm falling asleep again it's Jesus I want I want his company and he's not withholding himself but are we withholding ourselves it's not hard what he's called us to do he's just called us to do it (laughs) so let's just jump down to my last slide of we thank you for doing that Paul I appreciate that and Les for the sound don't know how really I could summarize it but God is looking for his people to satisfy him he's looking for those who will wait upon him who will carry the fire who will hear what he will say he's looking for partners in these end times to call in what heaven is speaking and I'm just reminded of the um, the Olympic flame Um, I got to hold a torch the other weekend didn't have any fire on it It was an old one as it were been used anyway by the by when the flame arrived and began to go down in Cornwall, I think it began, didn't it? About the second or third day in, it actually went out because it was so wet and so cold. And I thought, God, that is a salutary lesson. Our response to what God is saying will determine what we get, if you like, and what happens in our nation. He wants us to carry fire. He wants us to guard it and to be wise with it. But he wants us to come into that place of intercession. And one of those songs, I've not sung it today before, and I didn't know it, but was it a new song we sang about the third one in? Um, Might be. But there were some words in it that made me think, yeah, that's quite meaningful. And I can't remember them at all now. But... um, yeah, it was talking about recommitting ourselves, really, to... I don't know if you, you can remember what song it was. In your presence? Only your name will satisfy, yeah. That very many of the, the sentiments of the words were reflecting what I was carrying in my heart today. Um, Okay, let's have a look. Yes, and to the, the last part says, Father, I'm returning to things I used to do. Because somewhere on this journey, I think I lost hold of the truth. And I don't want that to be our testimony. I want us to carry that torch. It says... That God leads us forward in triumphal procession in Christ. And I'm going to carry on, carry on. And I tell you, there's a move across the globe. And I want to be partners. I want to be standing on the wall, on that rampart, declaring with my African brothers, my Asian brothers, my South American brothers and sisters as well. I want to be doing my part so that in glory 
we can say, do you remember that time when, oh yeah, what, were you going through the same thoughts? Exactly the same. Wow, that's amazing. Thought I was the only one. Right. God wants us to realize afresh, we walk not by sight, but by faith. The righteous will live by faith. That's who we are. That's our destiny. And I will shut up because I'm going on and on and on. But you've caught my heart, I'm sure. Let's just pray. You can stand to your feet if you want. You can kneel if you want. Um, Heavenly Father, we give you worship today. And we give you deference, Lord. We, we defer to you. We just say, God, as for us and our homes and our households, we will serve the Lord. And Father, we thank you for your mercy on our nation. We thank you for the prayers and the martyrs of our heritage, Lord God, that you are watching over. Father, we thank you that you have a destiny for the nation of Great Britain. You are outworking your purposes. They are coming to pass. And Lord, I pray for every person here, Lord God, that they will freshly take hold of that torch, will freshly take hold of the fire, or whatever symbol and image that they feel they can identify with. Lord God, that you would renew, that you would blow again into hearts that passion to pray in your purposes, that passion to pray for government or to pray for this or to that or this issue, but to rekindle the, the passion for your purposes. And God, we just we want to say, Lord, help us in that, Lord. Help us to be faithful because you are faithful, Lord God. Sovereign Lord, sovereign Lord. And I just want to add this, my conviction that, that there is a turning point coming in these next few weeks. I really believe, and it's again, it's something you may not perceive in the natural, but if you will say, yes, Lord, we take, we take what heaven is breaking into our land, and we say yes and amen, we want to be part of it, we want to uh, put on what you are saying to put on, and to throw off the rubbish, the things that distract that aren't of you. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus this morning. And Father, I pray now on behalf of every member of this congregation, Lord God, on behalf of any need that is represented. And Father, I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, to, to provide according to your word. Father, to bring healing, to bring encouragement, to bring release. Father, we stand in the gap and we say, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, Father. And Holy Spirit, will you brood on the inside of us and bring to birth a new thing. We call forth the fresh thing in our day, in our hour, in our time, Father. We say it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just show our appreciation to Stu for his word this morning. Thank you, Lord. It's not just a word, is it? It's a call. It's a call to arms, almost. Uh, the decisions that we have to make that nobody can force upon you. They can't give you the answer, the, the, the one that you want to choose. But uh, there's a sentence that Stu just said then. It was about, you know, the, the torch went out because it was cold and wet. And the decision we have to make is, do we want to be cold and wet? Or do we want to be full of fire? What do you want to be? That's your decision to make on how things happen and how things move forward and where we go in this city. Do you want to be cold and wet? Or do you want to be full of fire? I want to be full of fire. Yeah? Amen. Amen. 